do. And we're live on the Virtual Real Estate Investing Podcast. How you doing, Frank? I'm doing really, really good. Crazy busy time. Okay, so let's jump into it. I'm going to be interviewing you about all things virtual real estate investing today. So let's talk through the pressure, the anxiety, the craziness that is your life right now. <laughs> so prefacing, uh, John and I were getting ready to do this podcast. We usually talk for 10 minutes about what we're going to talk about. And John said, we're just going to jump on and we're doing this whole thing live. And I'm going to ask you questions. I said, okay. So I have no, idea where, this, I have no idea where this is going. We should have waited to the end to tell them that. It's going to be great. So, no, I'm feeling insecure about my responses, so I need to <laughs> soften the blow. Anyway, um, okay, so what is going on right now, right? So right now, our single family business is moving slow. We actually had a deal on Friday go to shit because uh, the title company told us the day before closing that the seller needed to bring 100 grand to the closing table, which they did not have. So we worked on a deal, got contractors ready, all the whole kit and caboodle only to find out the day of closing that this deal was never going to close to begin with. And uh, usually PropStream would tell us the seller's balance on their mortgage. That data is not 100% accurate, but it's there, but it was wrong. So there's no way we could have seen it. And that flip was looking really, really good. One of the best ones we've ever gotten. So Friday, we got our butts kicked a little bit, but our storage business is like, I don't want to say on fire because we're only working on deals number two and three. So that's kind of peanuts. For some of the more sophisticated operators, but to us, it feels like a really, really big deal. We're closing on a seller finance storage facility tomorrow, um, which I think we're going to try to turn around and sell at a pretty quick profit. So that's kind of like a wholesale flip that we feel really, really good about. And then we're about to close on our largest purchase ever um, next week, most likely, which is uh, just under 4 million bucks, almost 400 units of storage in Oklahoma. And uh, all the money's coming in from our investors. You know, we're doing all that follow-up. We're uh, we're making sure the legal stuff is done, but our bank account's got like a million dollars in it right now, and it's um, it's only our second private equity deal, so it just feels it feels chaotic, but like a lot of fun. So that's a long answer, but I guess chaotic but fun is is what my life is like right now. So single family, we get punched in the face, lose a deal. We raise over a million dollars for our storage deal. There's some shakiness getting across the finish line with that deal. Yeah. Talk to me just about like the pressure, right? Like how, how do you make sure you don't lose your mind? Um, because a lot of this is solely on your shoulders. Like we're a partnership, we're a team. I'm here for high fives. But if I kind of control the front half of the business and you control the back half, you're the one that's kind of deal making here. So how do you how do you stay grounded during all that? Yeah, I think for me, it's it's an ongoing challenge. I think when I'm in the work, like the day starts, right? Like um, we have our 8.30 in the morning call and I generally work or, or am working most of the rest of the day with some breaks in between. And I find when I'm in the work, I actually, I could, I feel like I could handle almost any level of stress. Like I could just work the entire day. Brokers could give me bad news or put pressure on us and I can negotiate and fight with them or whatever is needed. And I feel good. I think it's when I turn off is when the stress starts to creep in. I think a lot of people are like that. Like, it's 8 p.m. And I'm like, oh, tomorrow I got to do this. I got to do this. I wake up in the morning and I'm like, oh, shit, these are the things I got to fix in order to make sure this deal closes, right? Um, so I'm, I try to deal with it through routine and reading, right? Like preoccupying myself with um, either writing or getting into a book to try to learn something. I'm back on the nonfiction train. Like I'm reading business books again. I was on the fiction train for about two months. Um, 
but I don't think I've perfected it. Like I still wake up and have a little bit of stress during these times because, you know, to be honest, if this deal closes, the momentum in our business is really, really strong, right? Like that's, that's a really, really big boost to our business in terms of where we're at um, now. And if it doesn't close and we have to return the money to investors, like that's going to be a big hit. So the stress I think is just, it's just here. It just is what it is. For any investors listening, we are very confident we're going to make it across the finish. For sure. But you can never be 100%, right? Yeah, well, well, the seller's putting pressure on us to close faster, right? The lender's like, hey, 25th, no problem. Let's close on the 25th of the month. Seller's like, no, put a rush on the appraisal. Get all this done. Um, and I want it on the 18th or else I'm going to make Gray Line, Frank and John particularly, pay a couple thousand bucks for my time, like an option fee. So me and John are like, hey, we don't want to get hit with a thousand dollar fee just for the lender being slow. So we're trying to also save ourselves a little bit too. The deal is going to get closed. I just don't want to take a haircut for no reason to get there. That's what's going on. For sure. Let's, we've been talking a lot about storage and I think we're going to talk more about storage, but let's talk single family. If we were to sum up 2020 single family, it'd be like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. We're going to make so much money. 2021, was like, let's put the gas down and let's figure out how to do this at scale. And then throughout 2021 was like, we're going to go national. And then about halfway, three quarters of the way through 2021, we we're like, wait, this isn't working like we thought. Let's constrict, let's close down the, the call center that we had built. What's our strategy goal? Where do you think we're going in 2022 single family? Well, we've, we've, um, we're going to do less volume because we've lowered the marketing budget significantly. Our marketing budget, I forget what it was last year, but it was hundreds of thousands of dollars um, when you added it all together between labor, data, software subscriptions, and all those costs. And we had a lot, a lot of deals, but we had a uh, margin compression somewhere around July. And um, the team was so big, right? We were like, okay, it's really hard to fix a team of like 25 VAs or like identify the problem. So um, you know, we were profitable, but we, we needed more profit, right? So we shrunk the team down um, and we're, we're kind of, to be honest, if we maintain our cost of contract at two to $3,000 per contract, which is generally how much it cost us to lock up a deal for the last two years, which is pretty common. I think a lot of wholesalers or flippers see those numbers look like that. Then right now we're on a trajectory to do two to four contracts a month. And I think we're going to flip a larger percentage of those deals than we had in the past because we are now focused in geographies where we have a flipping operation. Last year, we would put a house under contract in a town in Texas with 3,000 people in it, right? We don't know. We don't have a contractor there, right? We're strictly trying to wholesale that property. Now we're locking things up in locations primarily where we could take it down and do the flip ourselves because we want to have, we want to add a little operational value to our business. I think taking a long time to get here. But one thing I think we learned is if your only competency in your business is marketing and negotiations, that's it. That business is easily disrupted. If you're a good operator, like you can actually have a strong operations background, that is a resilient business. So I think we want to put more operational emphasis on our single family business, aka doing more flips than just be strictly reliant on marketing and sales, which is wholesaling. So more flips less wholesales, lower marketing spend, higher margins. And then uh, geographically speaking, where does that leave us? 
Well, we, we had some success in a few different markets in Texas and Florida and North Carolina. Fayetteville, North Carolina, which is actually where that house was that we lost out on on Friday. We have a really, really good team there. Feel really, really good about that market. Good, good rental market. Houses are still appreciating, which is nice. Uh, Colleen, Texas, which is where Gray Line was born. Um, still one of our cities. Tyler, Texas, another city we're good at. We have a good contractor there. Pensacola, we're closing on a flip there next week. And where's the sixth city? I'm missing one. Oh, Lawton. Lawton, we're still doing flips. We uh, That's where our storage facilities are. Our contractor there is the best. <laughs> he's, he's the best. We just had a flip there. We thought the ARV was like somewhere around 85 grand. It was just a strictly, look, you know, cheap rental house. I'll just call it that. I'll use a nice term, cheap rental house. Um, he did the flip, did a great job. We just put it under contract for 120, right? We bought the house for like nothing. So I feel, even though that it's hard to make 50 grand on a deal in Lawton, I still like it because we hit singles and doubles all day. So very nice. Okay. So storage, how has our strategy in storage evolved? I think, um, our first deal, let's start with our first deal we locked up that we raised money for. We raised money on a business plan that had us taking over a mismanaged facility, adding a lot of value to it through good operations and selling it in three years or less. That was the business plan, which is, I think um, in the commercial real estate space, you might as well just call that a flip, right? I think for a larger asset, a three-year or less hold is generally quick. Most people are doing five years to 10 years. And some people in commercial real estate are forever holders, as they call themselves, like Nick Huber, for example. He wants to hold his storage facilities forever, just continuously refinance. And um, I think we saw why. Like, why, why do people hold on to them longer, right? Well, one, um, storage is a cash-flowing asset. Even in an environment where cap rates are compressed, there's still businesses designed to shoot off cash flow. So you, eventually you look at them and you start to realize it's best to manage them in the way that they are intended to operate. So that they're good cash flow machines and it's hard to depart from cash flow. It's always a good thing. Um, and I think we also realized that um, we don't need to have a 25% plus IRR on paper, which we, we were creating essentially through a short time frame to attract investors to our business, right? People will gladly reduce their IRR to elongate the timeline and to reduce their risk somewhat. And we're still offering them, you know, 18 to 20% or above on all the deals we've had to this point. So I think we overestimated how much, like um, how many, how much returns investors were really seeking in the market by a lot. Like people don't generally are not getting told those returns by other people. And we're delivering right up to this point. But we I don't know if that was like a security thing or insecurity thing. Like we need to offer really, really high returns because we're not experienced and we want to attract people. I don't know. But um the, the market for a five-year hold is, is plenty there. And it reduces stress on our business and allows us to behave more like a, a management company or a project management or a property management company because we're expecting to hold things longer. So it allows us to behave like an operator and not like a flipper, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, th- I think it's interesting. It's also interesting that basically what we were doing or how we initially thought about a deal is we take the same deal and we adjust the loan loan to value, the bigger loan you get, the better return you usually get. Well, the same thing is true for a timeline, right? Shorten the timeline that jacks up your IRR, right? And a good limited partner is going to be able to look and be like, you know, hey, this is the same deal. 
it's just a compressed timeline, right? Um, so one thing that we've been thinking through a lot is this idea of alpha and beta, alpha returns and beta returns, right? And not to go back to our uh, financial accounting classes or corporate finance classes, but alpha being what, how much we can beat the market and beta being the market, right? Can you talk to me about how we've thought about that with our storage? I think we've, we have deals that are mostly alpha returns, but we're trying to look at deals, AKA Florida with a lot stronger betas. How have we thought about that and, and how have we evolved on that? Well, I think um, one, I think we are starting to realize through the experience of others that markets that have great beta, right? Like Tampa, right? Like there's just rapid appreciation in the long run, typically outperform projections, right? Over a 10, over now that we're agreeing, Hey, Let's start elongating our time horizons, five years. Maybe one day we're doing 10-year investments, right? If though, if that's the case, location is the primary determinant of your, as long as you don't completely mismanage it and you're within the standard distribution of management, right? The one standard distribution. As long as you're within those parameters, location is going to be the most important thing, if not the, you know, if not the most important thing, part of the deal. So we acknowledge that, right? So we want to have beta. So it's not all up to us to create value, but- in our defense, we also are able to buy facilities in Oklahoma where there's less beta below replacement cost, right? And they're cash flowing, like we're covering our debt service with principal and interest upon purchase, which in storage right now is extremely difficult to do unless you have drop your LTV to 50% or 60% or lower. And we're at 70 and 75% on those two deals, LTV, and we're still covering debt service. You like You've been looking at deals in Tampa if you find that, like you don't even have to brief me because you'd be like, hey, I'm buying this. And I'd say, okay. But I highly doubt, especially if a broker is involved, you're gonna be able to find a deal like that. So it's it's give and take. Yeah, it's it's tough, right? It's like uh the value add deals in Lawton, low risk, right? Um they work out no matter the timeline, uh, really easy to pencil out. People like them, it's where we can prove a track record, right? If we go to investors and buy something in Tampa and we're like, hey, we're paying a three cap on this, 3% cap rate. We're going to hold it for 20 years, but we're pretty sure it's going to end up being a giant IRR. Like that, those statements might be true, but no one's going to give us money, you know? I know. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's tough, right? It's, it's tough. And I look at it like we're going we're gonna to do a lot of these shorter term flips, value add opportunities, and we should right? But then the key is get those up to market. And in my opinion, let's look to sell those once they're market value and take those profits and try to 1031 them into markets that have the beta, you know? And then eventually you're doing, you have enough confidence with investors that you're doing beta deals more, you know? Well, it's just, it's also the risk, man. Like who, um, who, people who start, in big markets, New York, Tampa, LA, right? Like those markets where if you've had stuff for 20 years, your performance has been incredible, right? Who starts out and they're like, yeah, I'm doing a $10 million storage on my first deal. I'm going to raise, you know, $3 million of uh, LP capital. I'm going, my going in cap rates, three, uh, three cap. And um, I'm getting a bridge loan at six to 8%, three-year balloon, blah, 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 blah. Like, listen, if that's your first deal, that you've ever done, you either are partnering with someone who's more experienced 
or your uncle, mom, dad, or someone close to you is the primary bankroll for that particular deal, or you're just surrounded by people with lots of money. The average person can't just go into real estate private equity and make that their first deal with we, we, that option was not available to us unless we partnered with a more experienced player, right? So it's just, we, we, that, that's just a normal progression through your business cycle or your business um, journey, I guess. For sure. Okay. So uh, let's just do like maybe two more questions. As we think yeah. about storage, find fun and finish, how, how do you kind of assess each of those aspects of our business in 2022? Uh, I'll say this for storage because it's really hard to, uh, they're completely separate functions for a single family business and a storage business. So I'll just answer storage. I think if I'm starting with find, I think we, um, our first two deals, the first one we ever did was just listed. It just sat on the market for a while. Deal's been awesome, right? It was a listed deal you called. We were able to get it. Um, I think at about 75% of what it was listed for. So we, I feel really, really good about that. Um, then the next deal was, it was listed, but it was kind of like a pocket listing. We got the inside track on that deal because it was the same broker that gave us our first deal or that we closed our first deal with. So that relationship has been valuable to us. Now you have turned on the direct to seller faucet, I guess. Like you, you are now like reaching out to sellers direct. We have direct mail going out for the first time this month. So how do I assess it? I'd say it's TBD. You know, like I think for direct to seller marketing, you need at least 30 days of data to see if you can even generate qualified leads. And if you can't tell if you can generate qualified leads, you don't know if your finding function is good, right? So I think we just have to put a question mark there, but I think we're trending towards a good grade. I just, I can't answer the question. So we're a question mark. Um, for funding, I think we've gotten lucky, <laughs> to be honest. Our terms are really good. Like both of our deals, if you looked at them, an outsider would be like, you guys are an A. Like you have long-term debt on assets where you can raise the rents 30% or more and your interest rate risk is almost zero and your interest only payments for the first 12 months on both. They're like, damn you. And we have low rates. People are like, damn, you guys are, you guys must know something we don't, but we straight up like hustled, used a good broker and got lucky. So I'll give us a B because we know what good rates look like, but we haven't proven we can get them continuously or consistently, but we have been able to get them. So we should take credit, but acknowledge we're not mature yet. So I give us a B. And then on finishing... I think we're good. I think we're better than mom and pop managers. We're definitely better managers than the people we bu- are buying these things from. And our first facility, you know, they were making 12 grand a month. Most of the time we're, we're making 15 to 16, right? So we're making more money. Our expenses are even with higher insurance and taxes at the same or a little bit lower, right? So we're, we're better than they are, right? Are we, um, are we at top maturity with like rent management and all that other stuff? No. So I think we're a B. I'll give ourselves a B there, trending towards an A because we work at it all the time, but we're, we're still a B. So I think we got a ways to go. I like it. That's, that's a good good assessment. Okay, last question. What's uh, a recent win that you're, you're proud of? What's a recent failure that you learned from? And what's something you're, you're excited about? Recent win? I think um, raising this money was a huge win. Uh, you know, before... Um, this deal, the most we raised was half a million bucks. Now we've raised 1.2 and we did it in five days, which was really, really fast. I think for you know, only doing this for six months or seven months for storage, I think that's really good. That was a big win. And that was you too, right? That was, that was both of us working on it. So that was huge. A loss. Um, we have one flip, but we're going to make our 
the first time we're going to lose money on a flip on a single family house is going to close this month. Um, and that's like the end of a 18 month hitting streak. Like we have been really, really good about avoiding downside and that streak has come to an end um, or it is about to come to an end. So that sucks. Like you never want to lose money on a deal. So like, obviously that's a loss. So we have lessons learned there. Um, we, we didn't hire great people on the ground there in that city. It's a, it's a market we're probably not going to go back to, but um, th- there was a hiring lesson learned in there. And then what was the last question you had? What's something you're excited about? Something I'm excited about. I mean, I think we're, I think we're on tra- going to be on track to hit our goals for the year. We close this deal next Friday. We are going to be able to say at the end of Q1, we are on track to hit our $20 million asset center management goal for 2022. That's, you know, any quarter you can close out like, hey, I'm on track to hit my yearly goals. Like that's a good quarter. So that's from a business perspective. I'm super pumped about that. Perfect. I love it. You get to interview me next time, brother. Any final words? No, dude, you did a good job. I felt like that was a hot seat because I didn't know what we're going to talk about. (laughs) But I'm surprised you were able to come up with all those questions. Like, I know you didn't prepare. So good job. That was solid stuff. F it. We'll do it live. It went well. Good stuff, man. All right, brother. Thanks.